0: go through prayers of the people, um, specifically thinking of when we pray for all that's happening in Afghanistan. What is still true is that light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Even when what we see and what we hear is the darkness, what we know to be true is that the darkness has not overcome the light and that light shines in the darkness. And so we will pray with the hope and the truth and the promise that the darkness will not win. We pray for we pray for the universal church and we pray for the world all at the same time. And we don't normally do that, but as we see and we know and we hear the news of what's going on in Afghanistan with the Taliban, God, I just pray that you would mobilize your people in every office, in every church, in every organization, that we would not just sit back and watch, but that we would intercept, that we would intercede, that we may even physically move to aid, the voiceless to aid the victims to aid those who are living in moment-to-moment fear god would you mobilize the church the global church to carry this burden together that we would pray the bold prayers of saying would you bring an end to this would you have mercy on your children. May we care, because it matters to you. God, would somehow songs of praise come out of this? Would somehow the church and salvations spread amongst the land of Afghanistan specifically? Would you protect your children in the church in Afghanistan right now? Would you hold them? Would you remind them that even on the darkest of nights, as they are fleeing and running for their lives, the darkness has not overcome your light? would you come and would you place the right leaders in the right people to aid and give resource in the best way and I don't know what that way is but doing nothing that's not what we that's not what the church does so would you just give us direction and step of how to love them well even from Smyrna Georgia and would you break down the tower the powers of darkness and and those out to kill and destroy. Would you break them down? Would you overcome them with your light and with your love and with your truth? Would they encounter you? Even as they're walking and when they see the night sky, would your love rain down on them? That their hearts, the hardest and darkest of hearts, would come to know you? God, would you come? Come quickly. We pray for Haiti, who had a massive hearth- earthquake, hundreds of lives lost, destruction in an already such an, an already hard economic, unstable political environment. Would you be with your people in Haiti? Would you love them well? Would you draw near to them? Would you provide safe places for them? Would you provide organizations to be able to be present not just in the immediate but in the long run for the long haul of helping them recover and rebuild and restore? As we hear news after news after news story of hev- that is heavy and burning and weary, we, would we take it back to you and say, this is heavy and this is hard and it feels like dark. the darkest of dark is winning and would we cling to your word that says, you've been in the beginning, you're in the now and you are in the end and that your light will not be overcome by darkness. And we thank you that you are faithful and sovereign in our darkest moments. But we can sing praises to your name. We pray for the local community. We pray specifically for Campbell High School the shots fired after the game Friday night. We thank you that nobody was injured, but there's continued to be turmoil and unrest for Campbell High School, causing there to be police presence, an increase of that, threats, very concerned students and parents. God, would you just bring order where there seems to be chaos? Would you bring peace where there seems to be such unrest? Would you protect Campbell High School, send your presence and your angels around it, protect the staff and the teachers that they would have wisdom and discernment that is beyond them? Be with them tomorrow as there's apprehension of what tomorrow holds as they walk into that school. God, would you just go before them and that any plans that are from the enemy, would they be thwarted? Would they be diverted? Protect them, protect those kids. We pray for this local community. We pray for Thomas as he is going to be having a surgery soon. God, would you be with the doctors and every medical professional involved, that they would have wisdom to care for him best. We pray for Thomas, that he would feel comforted and at peace, that you would be near to him, that you would provide very clear and obvious ways for River City to love him really well that he, he would know that we see him and we want him here and we want to love on him through this. And I pray for every person who's carrying their own heaviness, their own feeling of darkness, their own thing that just feels like too much. God, this morning I pray that we would intentionally invite you into those spaces and ask your light to invade those places that we would take off the weary and heavy and burdened yoke that we carry and may we take on your easy light yoke of rest. We thank you for who you are. We thankful that you are constant and true and remain the same and that your word is still so true and powerful, and it changes things. Even when we don't feel it or see it. And so we say and we ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today exactly what we need thank you for being the good father that knows what we need it's in your name we pray amen
1: a little bit's changed since i was here a couple things i've not preached from a handheld mic in years so no idea what you're about to get from me um first i just want to say i'm really thankful but we've been gone. I haven't preached for six weeks, and many of you are growing more spiritually than you have ever grown. And I feel the cadence and rhythm of it. Um, but I, I, we couldn't go do what we did without the people who God has blessed this church with, and it's there's a lot. Okay, so there, there's a lot that God has blessed this church with, and many of those people are in this room and not in this room. But our staff and our wise counsel, the graciousness. I mean, we have a secondary sound system that's somehow been set up that works right now because it went AWOL one week and these are just normal church issues that people have to work through, but we have, I just want you to to recognize, I recognize how important it is to have good people and we have good people. So I just want you to cheer for, you know, Bill and Tina and Kara and Jonathan and Paul and, and many more, you know, many, many more, Nathan. (laughs) That's <laughs> an interesting selection of a seat. I think it's, I, I applaud you on it. <laughs> Today's worship journey, I usually do a worship journey. Many of you don't know that. And I send it to the staff to be praying about the whole day. Today's is wisdom, bread, and singing. <laughs> it's the worst ever. I need, I need to get back into the rhythm of it. But I, I'm excited to preach, but I wanted to show you a couple pics, pictures of some things just that happened, so this is this is us that's um that's half dome behind it. We had just finished uh, free soloing that um, we I and mean, we did it in the morning, so it's not a big deal but so that's a beautiful place right like that's that's where we've been We were in Yosemite, we were in California we were in Florida um we've been all over and and that was one of my favorite places we went. You can go to the next picture uh that this is El, this is actually El Cap, and that only looks about 10 feet tall, but it's about three, about 3,000 feet tall. And what was interesting is right below this, um, somebody had, <laughs> this is one of those, somebody had actually used the bathroom on the ground at El Cap. And so we named it L Something. <laughs> See what I did there? Um, it took a little time to actually just get to the base. And of course, I made my family watch some of the climbing videos that you can all see. But very inspiring to see somebody literally climb this thing with no ropes. Uh, also crazy—I would use that as a word. But um, but. But we were able to do this because um, the church believes it's important that not only do we preach about health, but that we operate in health as a family. And it, it, for me, it really is a decision to take myself out of the work at times. And this was a beautiful example of how our community, our network, and our family got to experience that. So the end of it, of course, many of you probably don't know this, it ended with all of us uh, receiving the gift of COVID, um, which we received in California. So we all have gone through that and it is kind of strange to leave and kind of it was opening back up and people were starting to get back into church and was feeling fuller and even before I came today I've had so many people call or tell me we don't feel comfortable at this time gathering and I just want to say to everybody online and here I, I understand that. And. I just want to make effort as that happens that we continue to connect and love people well and i appreciate that we haven't fought about wearing masks raise your hand if you love to wear masks nobody likes to do it right i don't think it has anything to do with faithlessness i think it has to do with honor and so i think i'm thankful that our community is willing and able and i think it makes it safe for those people here in this space to do that so anyway long story short i'm super pumped to be back and i'm going to share with you today some things One last thing. Friday night, we actually hiked up a mountain so that Becca and Drew could become married. (laughs) Many of you know that. Becca is our worship coordinator, and it was a strange marital, I don't have a picture, um, but we all got out of our cars, this place called Max Patch in Asheville, and we were in suits and dresses, and we hiked up a mountain. I had to imagine, it had to be the strangest looking hiking group ever. I wanted somebody to ask, and I was gonna be like, we're just really serious about hiking, so. This is important. I think you should look good while you do it. We were sweating, there were flies everywhere, but it ended up being really beautiful. And so you can look online at those pictures and um, you can celebrate them and pray for them. And I miss them. Anyway, I am going to ramble a good good amount today. And that's okay, you know, that's okay. It's what it is. Um, Before I left to go, I had read the passages that we would be jumping into. And all the passages are on hunger or food. And I don't know why, but for me, these are the kind of passages that really inspire me. When I start hearing about a people group or a person that is hungry for God, it's it's fond language for me. It's I've experienced moments where I've felt a hunger and a thirst for God. But I do think it is a little bit confusing because hunger is one of those things you can't really make happen. And I've actually been in settings where we've almost required it from people. You have to get hungry for God and it's like, how do, you, how do you get hungry first? How do you, you just kind of notice hunger. Like hunger is, it's what happens in you. And as I thought about this and us and where we're going in the future, I thought about this ETS group and how almost 80 people have jumped into this discipleship kind of thing that we're doing that Kara is now stepping into and Tina. And, and it's, I'm really thankful for what's happening. I think that represents some hunger. But hunger is something that you notice and i don't think as western citizens many of us really understand hunger right like that's why i like fasting because there's in one sense fasting is a way to feast on god and in another sense it's a way to kind of build kinship with people who are food poor and to understand that there are actually people who do not have a meal we don't really know that though it's more like We just don't have the meal we want, or we're full from things that maybe aren't necessarily sustaining. I have more arguments with my kids about what we're going to eat, and every single one of them has a different meal that they require each moment. And I always tell them, like, you have no idea what hunger is. I'm hungry, Daddy, right now. No, you're not, you'd eat pizza. We just had pizza last night. Thank God, right, multiple pizzas. So as we re- I read these passages, I really do love them. This whole John 6, all throughout the Old Testament, the children of Israel, the manna that came down that God provided for his children, the way that he used hunger to show the nurturing, almost like the mother, mothering characteristics of how he nourishes us. I love these aspects of the Old Testament into the New Testament. And it doesn't change today, we're gonna talk about bread again, but I wanted to pause for a moment and read the first text from the lectionary because it's about wisdom. And I'm also fond of wisdom, but I recognize how little any of us can label what wisdom is. And I think this is maybe the most fascinating study in Proverbs I've done to this point, but I wanna read you this text first, if you can pull this up, Bill. And this is, I'm gonna read you this whole chapter, chapter nine. Up to this point, there's kind of been, a back and forth about wisdom and folly. And so this is what this this passage says. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beast. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says come and eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk according to the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not repro- I can't even say that word. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you, right? <laughs> you guys do not believe you, you will believe that because i'm about to reprove y'all you're all going to be wise amen just kidding give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy one is insight for by me your ways will be multiplied and years will be added to your life if, you're, if you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman of folly, this is kind of a transition in the text. It goes to a different perspective now. The woman of folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread is eaten in secret, that is eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Okay, so here's a couple going things. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna bullet point this. Of course, we all want to walk in wisdom, right? Like we read this, it's almost like a little bit ridiculous. We don't wanna be scoffers. I don't wanna walk in the way of a fool. Being foolish is not, um, nobody's interested in that. Even fools would probably be like, yeah, I'm not interested at all in being foolish. Fools do that kind of thing. But what is wisdom, right? Like like Sarah and I have, I've made her listen with me to a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, which is a podcast that Christianity Today has produced about a specific church, but really it pictures an entire movement of Christianity over the past 20 years in our nation. And it's startling because I, I see this and I read it and I recognize that all throughout this path of this church and this kind of culture, these were things I was actually interested in. It's interesting that we, when we feel like we have found what wisdom is, all of a sudden act like we've been living in wisdom our whole life, right? Like I I despise that about myself more than anything in leadership, that as soon as I find what I believe to be true, I act like it's always been there and those who are where I was are now the idiots. And I think to me, if we look at this passage and you wanna talk about what wisdom looks like, I think it's less to do with practical decisions and more to do with character or spiritual authority which is what ultimately has been lacking in much of our lives. This book, actually Proverbs is written to the young with the hopes that the young would see, the young who are considered simple here, not bad people, simple, that they would see the benefit of gaining wisdom, but it doesn't do an amazing job of explaining step by step. But I think that's purposeful. I think it's purposeful to say, you're not gonna just land and be there and all of a sudden you have it all wisdom is more like character that's why it's explained in things like the ability to listen when someone challenges you that doesn't just come with a decision to be fought to be told you're wrong you know you're not wise and i know i'm not wise in my response to those kind of those kind of meetings and I don't respond like I would like. I imagine myself winning arguments all the time, right? Like apologetics for me in a season was like, I'm definitely getting apologetics because I just wanna prove Christ and show everybody how stupid they are because that never won anybody to Jesus. But character, what's been missing? The reason, I'm, ugh, I could riff, I'm gonna riff. You and You can all be angry at me, right, okay? So the reason so many people my age, I'm 43, right about, 20 years ago started getting into ministry, and now they're all transitioning from ministry, is because we recognize gift and we gave platforms to people with gifts, but we had no desire that people had developed any any sort of character. And gift can't can it's not sustainable. I don't care. Like one of the best quotes in this podcast, which listen to it if you if you want to, was that it doesn't matter how far along you are in your gifting if you're 20 or 30 something starting in ministry as a pastor you're not able to withstand the weight of what's going to happen that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it that means you should pace yourself at a rhythm where you can learn that character actually matters more than gift and this is what discipleship to me needs to begin to look like it needs to begin to look like who you are actually matters more than what you produce right what comes from you is not how life happens life is a gift to be consumed on a repetitive basis and this is the tricky part about this text in john and i don't like this text not for the reasons I used to didn't like it, because it, it's the vampire sermon, or it's the cannibalistic Christian sermon, or it's the eat and drink my blood. That part to me, I get. The Eucharistic part, I get it. Like, we're going to sit, we're going to dine with Jesus. I love that meal. I don't love that it's not as practical as it could be. That doesn't actually make a ton of sense. It doesn't actually show you how to live a a life characteristic like Jesus does or exude who Jesus is or image Jesus to the world. It talks about ingesting as a meal, the person and work of Jesus. That's just not enough for most of us. It, It leaves us at a space where we're like, wait, what? What, wait, ingest and eat and drink you? Okay, that sounds great. It leaves us in a space where we're not too confident about what it is to be a a Christ follower. It leaves us in a space where we're like, well, where else am I gonna go? Because you have the words of life. Instead of standing on a hilltop, screaming the answers to things and inviting people in to a meal that doesn't satisfy, and all that's in that space is death. See, this is what I think happens when we become so confident about how it is that we impose Jesus on our families, ourselves, and our culture. This is how a church like Mars Hill can be the fastest growing church at the turn of the century while also completely demeaning women and undermining anything about the giftedness of women and a whole movement saying yes to it. The real thing is we are attracted to things like this. We are attracted to significant things because we don't truly know what it is to feel significant without those things. So right now, there are many churches across our globe, and especially in America, who have people leaving them because of broken leadership, Because. Character wasn't required. And these people are deconstructing without a hope of truly finding Jesus because Jesus was connected to something that wasn't Jesus and everybody bought in. Because everybody desires significance, we'll attach ourselves to things like a Mars Hill. I, I told Sarah, I was like, there, there's probably a gap, a window within our family where I would have said yes to something like that, not the demeaning of women, but power and Christian fame. Very appealing, even to those who pretend like it's not. I mean, you can listen to sermons from this particular church where they actually refute it. And then five years later, they're the most podcasted, most downloaded. And and the craziest things start coming from that. It's because character matters. Size does not matter in the church. I'm just going to stop right now. (laughs) I'm going to run the other way. You guys need to grow up is what you need to do. Listen, what if, what if, what if we became a church that decided to tell all of the other churches we have the idea and we're going to take the city of Atlanta because we know? We're not going to use language like that, first of all, because it demeans all the other churches in our area as if we're the ones with all the answers. We're just people trying to serve Jesus, trying to grow in Him. So, what if. What if God calls us to follow him and be insignificant in the eyes of our world for the rest of our lives? Would he be enough? And if he will, you can last. I came back from our trip with a deep desire to not be fantastic. I don't have the energy to produce fantasticism. And I, maybe I say that assuming that I did at some point and you guys are like, oh, you've, never been, you've never been fantastic. I don't have the energy, but I do have this desire for faithfulness. I wanna be faithful when I hear these stories. I wanna be faithful with small, not because small means I'll fi- it will get big, but because small is good enough and because Jesus is good enough. I wanna be connected to Jesus in such a way that when an opportunity comes along to say yes to the person of folly that promises this or that, I mean, there was so many, did you just take a picture of me? Oh my gosh, I'm about to be famous. It's happening right now. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> there, was, there was a few moments in my history. I had, I had one moment in particular where I had the opportunity to be a youth pastor at the largest church in Georgia. The youth ministry was actually larger than any church I'd ever been at. And I stepped into the culture and recognized how quickly it was going to consume me. And I talk about not saying yes to that because i like to show that i'm better than that which is the same thing it's there small or big but continual connectivity to jesus i think is the answer and here's the deal it's never going to require one meal and then you're good it's the kind of life that is sustained like actual food how many meals do you eat a day maybe two or three maybe some of us more And how long will you need to eat to survive? Anyone? How how much of the rest of your life are you gonna need to eat? Every day. And what happens if you don't eat for like a week? You start posting pictures of yourself on Instagram and you're like, look at this. And then after that, you're like, oh, I'm hungry. Right? Like, This is why I love and hate this language because in this passage in John 6, There's really no way to exist without the continuity of these meals. There's no way to exist. There's no 10 steps that make you arrive, right? There's no promise that it equals this, but where else are we gonna go? So I'm gonna read you this, and I told you up front, it's been a while, so I'm I'm gonna ramble a little bit. But this is John six, the portion I'll read to you. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true blood, and my blood is true drink for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, I and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. That's just kind of a reference to the manna that the children of Israel received. And this is also a play on the words of them requiring that he give flesh for them to eat because it wasn't enough for manna. But I just wanna, just a few quick things about this passage that I think are important. This is provocative for them, not because they actually think they're supposed to eat and drink flesh and blood. For the first crew that got it, they were in person with Jesus. And there would have been a slight understanding of sacrificial ancient culture where to any God you would present a sacrifice and part of this sacrifice will be taken for the people to eat and part would be actually given to the God. And as it was given to the God, it believed it became like the God and those who ate it believed that they had ingested the God and as they left, they believed they are actually living out this God. This would have been common for them. This would have been something that would not have been at all so much of a stretch that kept them from thinking he actually wants us to eat and drink this blood but it also would have been a nod to the people who john wrote it to about 70 years later that this is talking about the eucharist this is this is actually meant to discuss what's happening with the eucharist but not just the eucharist not just this one meal but actually all meals Every meal that would be eaten would be something that would make a significant connection. But why does he use such fierce and strong language to say this? He says it in such a way that he's trying to cause a reaction, right? Like the Jews are instantly upset. To drink blood for them would have been a breaking of a law. They would have had to leave the community for that. So they actually would empty any animal of all blood just because of that reason and to take into their bodies, right? Like these are things for them that would truly, he's saying this to them to startle them. And to his disciples, they're just confused. And John has been thinking about this. This is what I love about John. He's been thinking about this for 70 years, thinking about, praying about, meditating on and writing in this passage, not just for them to say, I want you guys to remember these words, we're gonna recite this next Sunday at Sunday School. He's trying to relay to them the essence of what he's been ruminating on for years and years and years. So much so that it reminds me of when my friend came to preach and talked about those moments in services where there's a holy hush. Have you ever experienced that kind of moment where it just becomes thin and you experience something more and it becomes more real than it was before i think john is led by the holy spirit in the writing of this for sure to be sure but he's not just trying to give words he's trying to say there's a deeper thing here that you must get you must get this god made flesh what is the flesh? Flesh is how we navigate our world. Flesh is what we are in this world for. It's what Jesus also came and represented. I love that you read that. Did you just randomly pick that passage? Did John, the John the John one passage that God was God his God's mind was made into flesh. The word was made into flesh to live among us. This is fantastical. He's saying to us, I want you to take into you This blood, which to the Jew would represent the life force, and this flesh, specifically the flesh of Jesus that came from where God was to where we are to commune with us. I want you to take this as if you're chewing on it. The word here is literally talking about chewing, chewing on it. Chew on this as if it's a meal as often as you have a meal. And in that ingestion of Jesus and who Jesus is, not just what is wisdom in our season and live those things, right? Like it's not just do a finance thing for your life and read a marriage book. It's not just make sure you have the right house in Smyrna or pay off your two cars. It's not just go to school and college and find a good job it's so much more than that. That's not enough to get you into the space where you have life newly now and then life eternally. This takes more. It takes the ingestion of Jesus. This is why we will bring Jesus right to the center. This is why the table of the Lord is the center of the church the center of the church is the table of the lord because it brings into our view and into our bodies the life and the flesh of jesus on repeat on repeat for five or six years i've understood this before that i did not i used to would have said the altar was more important than the table i used to would have said what what you experience at the altar and i'll just tell you if the altar is not connected to the table it's not as meaningful as it could be, right? I imagine the table just extending out into our home and our living rooms because this is for us. This is for us the meaning of it all. This is how we know when we start as communities demeaning women and telling women that they're less than men, that we are wrong. This is how we know when all of a sudden there's this culture that's created that Josh thinks it's important that he becomes famous. So we're gonna take all of our resources to give him a larger platform that Josh is wrong. This is how we know that when we start to put our money towards things that are crazy, that have nothing to do with the gospel, that we are wrong, the person and work of Jesus. And if you take just a few moments to look at the person and work of Jesus, you will recognize that he's not most concerned that America is the best country in the world. It doesn't take much time, if you look at the person of work of Jesus, to understand that he loves all, invites all, is passionately pursuing all, uses women as his main disciples. Like some of the things that we're confused about, Christian fame, Christian nationalism, these things just kind of become foggy at the feet of Jesus because you see in Jesus and we have the Gospels. It's like, well, how do we eat and drink of this blood? We literally have four stories about the person and work of Jesus that are incarnate and alive as if they're moving about like lively oracles, not flat readings that we can actually sit in front of and ingest and be enamored by. And be broken by and be convicted by so much so that we realize we are the ones called to humility we are not the ones to dominate we are not here to use militaristic force against these evil people in smyrna just that language that seeps its way into our whole culture right they're the enemy we have the answer We are here to be protected from, we are sent here by him for them. You who are simple, you who are weak. Just think about it. If you can ingest for a time the person and work of Jesus through the spirit of Christ, you can start to then incarnate this. I actually believe that you can actually start to sound like the lady of wisdom if you're pointing people towards Jesus. But I think we sound like the lady of folly when we're pointing people to other things. And I think it's so easy to point people to other things, right? So many of us are convinced, so many of us are convinced for secondary things, and they just don't matter. The personal work of Jesus is ready, right? I love that Debbie Thomas. One of my favorite favorite bloggers talks about Jesus and a nurturing motherly characteristic. And she posed this question that to me was beautiful was, can you imagine how, how Jesus feels about wanting to feed you? Not just that you need to be hungry, you need to eat, you bad Christians, you ingest Jesus. But imagine Jesus and how badly he desires to feed us in this way. I mean, even in the Proverbs, before we see Jesus, it's inviting to a meal those who are simple. And even with Jesus, he's inviting their stories of feast. Call anyone who will come. Nobody wants to come. We'll call someone else who will come. Jesus wants to feed us and she uses provocative language. Is that okay if I use provocative language? Like a mother wanting to feed their child milk. The kind of connection there. Like I have no idea what that's like. Literally none. But I've, I've had three kids and I've seen the experience of Sarah and having to work through that and the kind of, kind of give and take in battle, but knowing that she has in her body what's needed for the children to be full. Like this mothering, nurturing characteristic heart of Jesus and God to want to nurture us. Not only want to invite, but literally like, oh, I want to do that. Oh, i would love to do that for you and it's going to take some give and take learning but there's going to be this like radical intimacy that happens within that context because that's that's how it's designed god wants that for us you don't need to be shamed into jesus right so much of our church history was about that because You can highlight an issue provide the answer and then bring people in and make people do all kinds of crazy stuff especially if you're in a growing church a growing church can make excuse for all kinds of bad characteristic things right but jesus is wanting he's wanting you to see that part of the way that he invites you because he wants you to be full of life life to the full life to the full and as you're nurtured continually, repetitively by Jesus, at some point you start to live out health. But like a meal, it doesn't happen like that, right? So while I do love alter experiences, and alter experience is not enough for a sustaining life in Jesus, it takes the kind of life with Jesus that is continual. And that's a good thing. I think the pace of Jesus is very understanding. I don't think Jesus is like behind the eight ball. Like that message, I don't think he's like, we don't do this quick, it ain't happening. I just don't, I don't see that in the scriptures. I see him taking men for three years and developing them and then sending them. And that's what I believe he's doing with us. So just a couple things. And man, I'm all over, but that's all right. You know what I'm saying? That's okay. So a couple things close with, I wanna close with just some simple thoughts. And this to me means more than it's maybe going to mean to you but just some simple thoughts what does it mean to actually eat and drink of jesus yes eucharistic yes we're going to sit at the table together we're going to remember and we're going to move forward but just think about this in in just simple terms bread has to be made and it's it takes actual skill in the right ingredients and once it's made its whole intent is to be given to be eaten so just bread at the store like that store that bread was made And then given and it needs to be eaten pretty quickly because if you don't eat it quickly stuff starts growing on it and that all that stuff's at my mom's house because she doesn't know how to clean out her cabinets (laughs) number two how often do we need to eat like three meals a day three times a day is how much you eat and you need both two i do two who does three who does two who does one who does none jesus who does four <laughs> four nice small intermittent It's probably very thoughtful I imagine yes but how often just simply how often do you need to eat for life number three one meal is not the point please stop being the Christian that found the meal that's all you ever need this is all you ever need to do just do this and you're good that does not work. I think the, the one meal is enough is the whole kind of message of get saved now, say yes now, and then you're gonna to go to heaven one day, but until then just don't ask any deep questions and just smile. And that's impossible. Number four, it becomes us. Somehow this meal becomes us. And I'm talking about actual meals. The food that we take in somehow becomes our bodies. I am not smart with this kind of stuff. But if you don't eat, you don't have a body. Actually, I watched the show with my kids that we love, what's it called, Alone? Maybe? Where you have to live for up to 100 days in the wild. Anybody ever watch this? And they have to actually find their own food. And this one guy killed a musk ox by running by it and (sighs) stab, and and what he would eat, and nobody ever makes it through the show, by the way, except for this guy. And this guy you don't ever wanna meet because you might be food for him. But I mean, they, everybody's checking out left and right of this show because 10 days in, nobody knows how to get food anymore. People are eating flowers. Some guy's eating grass. This person's eating bark because it's got... None of those people make it because they didn't kill a muskox. This guy who has food makes it the whole show. And he's eating all kinds of stuff. He's talking about how if he doesn't have fat eyeballs, other things, he's talking about if I don't get fat soon. I didn't even know that you needed fat. I'd have been going after the musk ox all day, but he was, he killed a porcupine because they have fat and one of the porcupines had spots all over it and a girl ate that and she actually was okay. (laughs) But the meal becomes us and even more so in this meal. So how do you become Jesus? You don't follow Jesus for a week at Jesus conference back in in one AD and just, I got it. I followed him around. You live with him for so much that all of a sudden you start to kind of live like him. And that's what I think discipleship is. It's not you read this book and now you do those things. It's character that comes from. You don't just make yourself loving. You have to become loving. You don't just make yourself have peace. It's the fruit of other things. This is what it is to ingest jesus daily and we're not certain how and be okay with that there's it's good that there's awe and wonder like i don't have any idea how bread actually becomes me but it does and i don't really know the depth of how this happens with jesus i think i do but i don't want to capitalize on it and build a conference out of it because i'm certain that i'll want to be famous and i'm jacking everybody up so the last thing is it nourishes, like to be nourished. Just simple thoughts about what it is to take in Jesus. And so I'm just going to say this today, and I'm going I'm to read you one more thing. I'm just going to read you Luke 24, 32. <laughs> you guys are like, man, these other people didn't preach nearly as long, and I want that again. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us as we walked, as he talked to us on that road, while he opened up the scriptures? And this is just a picture of a couple disciples finding themselves at a meal with Jesus and finding themselves being changed by it. And I think... For us, I just want to say a few things. I want to say to those of you who happen to possibly be deconstructing, okay, I am not an expert on not deconstructing. I do not, I have deconstructed some things. I for sure for a season believed that America was awesome and it should be the best. And then I went through a season where I was like, everybody who believes that is dumb. And then I realized like, I'm not as smart as I think I am. So I wanna say to you, if you've experienced a version of the church or leadership that you can clearly recognize is not the person and work of Jesus, that I know that that's a painful place. And I know that for the women in this room who have been told that you are less than men and that you are not as important, I cannot speak to that. I can only speak to what I've heard with Sarah, and seen in the the churches I've been a part of where that has been definitely a key role. I want to just ask you to trust your instinct that the Jesus that you didn't receive is really Jesus, and that Jesus is really good enough to follow for the rest of your life. And I just kind of believe he wants to heal you and nourish those broken places. And I don't really know how that happens because there's so many people and so much damage has been done. But I can tell you with clear certainty, Jesus is better. And he wants your wholeness. And he wants you to be nourished full cheeks. I could say some other things, I'm not gonna do that. I don't know how it happens, but I know it happens with you remembering that he's really good. Like he's really good. Like the version of Jesus we want him to be, not the one that shows up like Zorro, which we watched last night, but the one that shows up like, no, you should be stronger. And he's like, my strength is different. No, are you gonna take over now? I'm taking over differently. Are you gonna be king here? I'm not gonna be king like you think. Are you gonna kill them? I'm gonna heal the ones you try and cut. This is the version of Jesus that we want and we don't want. He's that good and he's good enough for the rest of our lives. If this group of people or whatever church you're a part of is the only community you have, he would be good enough in that. It doesn't have to be mega anything. Does that make sense? Is that enough for us? Nobody in this room might be famous. I'm really sorry to some of you. You might not be recognized nationally or be invited on TBN. Which I don't even know if it still is around. Is it around still? You might not develop a platform, and some of you don't need to. And if God does, (laughs) ramble! If God does give you a space like that, I pray that you would see if you're not ready. Because most people aren't. Most people cannot carry the weight of fame. Because Christianity is not about fame, it's about humility literally built around humility, humility. So when you see it and it's not it, don't do it back to it, but recognize that's not it. God heal, God heal, God heal, heal our land. All right, you can stand with me. Here's my my, after not preaching for two months ending. Respond to Jesus and sing. That's literally my closing. I don't even know how to do that. But I do know how to do that, actually. I'm going to do it. All right. I've missed you guys. Um, I don't know some of you. Some of you are at home and you weren't before this. We miss you. If you need something, just reach out. Um, let people pray with you. If you're in this place right now and you're kind of dealing with whatever, let's approach Jesus together right now and trust that he is more than we are. Okay? And then we're going to sing something together. I'm going to think of it while I'm praying. Jesus, uh, develop curiosity in our hearts for what it is to follow you. Develop awe and wonder. Thank you for Lady Wisdom, who's done a lot. Thank you so much more for Jesus who's with us right now and Jesus is here he's definitely here and I just want you to picture Jesus just allow your mind to picture Jesus and Jesus I just ask that you would not just let us follow you but let us consume you in the ways that we're supposed to And I also ask Jesus with your eyes closed for all of us who feel the brokenness of not seeing what so many broken people before us have done, that you would let us let them off the hook and then allow us to see ourselves and how we've done it and that you would bring healing to us and create in us, God, this, just this, this desire to seek and serve you because you're wanting to nurture and heal. And just a a quick prayer for the women in this church. God, I pray that you would heal all the ways in which some type of patriarchal dominance has been connected to you, and that you would heal that and show your faithful love. You're just as called, just as gifted, just as much a follower. You can be leaders. We need more leaders. And I thank you for this, Jesus. And I pray this week that we would think of you as a meal when we wake up for lunch, for dinner, and we just continue that way. Take in your words, your works, your community, all the gifts, all the ways in which even this room represents this communing. We thank you, Jesus, that we can do this. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you
0: again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.